I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura On Straight, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business, with topics ranging from spiritual self-development, human design, astrology, metaphysics, and everything in between. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? I am your host, AC Brown. I am your psychic channel and spiritual guide, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? In this episode, I sit down with the amazing David Johns, who is a manifesting generator 3-5. You know how I love my 3-5s. And he is also the head of the National Black Justice Coalition, which is a civil rights organization focused on empowering Black, LGBTQ, and SGL people. David and I chat about guarding your joy, which is extremely important when it comes to communicating and advocating for yourself. We also have a little laugh about Rihanna and being part of the Navy and how she moves, which David can relate to. So enjoy this episode. So tell me, is your aura on straight? I hope so. (laughs) I, I I listen to you as often as I can. I'm in community with uh, good folks like Callie and April and so many others who I think are useful in reminding me to practice the things I preach and to hold space for myself in the way that I often hold for others. And when I think about what it means to be living in my body um, preparing to turn 40 next year, thinking about all of the mess that people have told me about my life. What I know is that I am exceedingly happy. I feel so comfortable in every part of my skin. And I am more committed to guarding my joy now than I ever have been in my life. So I, I think that it is on straight. Okay. Can you talk about that journey of of guarding your joy and being comfortable in your skin, especially, and just to give you all just a little insight, David has a completely open G like myself and a completely open heart ego center. What was that journey like to completely loving yourself and fully accepting yourself? A whole lot of damn work. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I also say that as a, Uh, a proud black same gender loving man. I don't use the term gay. Gay is a white male political identifier that often shows up in the world in ways that have very little to do with my lived experience. But doing the work, my friend Cece Battle talks about white supremacy rehab, doing the work to appreciate that white supremacy works in ways that suggested to me that I had to do labor and really work to show up in ways that allow people to feel comfortable and sort of addressing and dismantling all of the, you know, stereotypes and and, and images that they would have had about problematic black men and, and do work so that they would not have to experience any of that on my body was a lot. Mm. Um, I'm six, five. I talk a lot with my hands. I taught um, elementary school early on 
And I say that because in that space, I was hyper aware of how people saw me. My my six foot five self, this hair on my right. head, the, the way that I smile, the way that I show up. And so much of my life has been devoted to other people, finding ways to make other people happy. I'm a mama's boy. I'm a I'm I'm you know, I'm the eldest child. I'm the first son. Most of my childhood was spent doing whatever made my mother happy or proud. Mm. And so this is a really long way of saying that the, the, the journey, the, the process of finding comfort in my skin has been a long one. It's been one that I'm thankful that I've had a number of guardian angels who God has placed in my life along the way uh, to say to me, uh, you are beautiful. You are wonderfully made just as you are to remind me as Baldwin did or does that the, the price for the crown that I wear has already been paid for. I just mm. need to wear it. And when I think about now having done most of the things that people say to you, you should do as a black man in this country, I graduated from an Ivy League university. I'm twice, I'll have a PhD soon. I've worked in the White House. I've done all of the like politics of respectability, you know, 10%. Uh, these are the things you do in order to achieve the American dream thing. And what I now know most is that if I'm not happy, if I'm not centered and doing the things that fill me, then none of the other stuff matters. The credentials don't matter. The resume doesn't matter. The bank account doesn't matter. Um, and so I've, I'm very much committed to, I literally have a tattoo to my body now, guard your joy right under this Basquiat tattoo that I just got. That's amazing. And so when you talk about those things not mattering and of co course, bringing you on the journey and back to centering joy, how does one do that when things are constantly changing in the external world? And like you said, you've always been doing stuff for other people and putting other people first. Yeah. So what was that like for you? You know, how do you do that? Number one, number two, yeah. when did you realize or become more self-aware that you needed to do that for yourself? Okay. Um, um, my sophomore year in undergrad, one of my classmates died. He had mm. a, a, a pre-existing heart condition that I was unaware of. He was the only other black male in a uh, uh, contemporary civilizations course, a course that everybody's required to take at Columbia in the history of the institution. Um, and he and I would pass uh, word puzzles to each other in class. Um, and he didn't show up one day and I found that it was because of this heart condition that he had always been dealing with. And I, I sought therapy. I needed to find some, pace, some place to process what all of that meant, what, what the loss meant, why I felt some kind of way about his absence. Um, and I think it was the first time that I interrogated um, what it meant for me to be doing all of these things that other people had indicated were important, while I still had so many questions about myself and my happiness and what I should be doing in the world. Mm. Um, and you talk a lot about, I appreciate it, us being aware of all of the resources that we can, including therapy. And I will say without equivocation that that is incredibly important. I think the second thing is also being really honest with myself in that I've almost always been the kind of person who is not happy unless I'm almost at the point of overexertion. Mm. And some of that is sort of the self-medicating nature of it, right? If I'm busy doing shit, then I don't have to sit with myself. Yes, manifesting generator. Speak for your people. 
<laughs> just right, like if we out here building stuff, we ain't gotta we ain't gotta have to sit. If I'm not still, then I'm busy, right? And so a lot of it was um appreciating that uh, you can only be busy for so long, right? Mm. And I no longer want to be booked busy. I want to be moderately booked and really happy, right? And so it was sitting, it was sitting down, being still, being close to water, right? I'm also Pisces Aquarius, I'm a water baby, water is calming to me. And literally asking myself, what makes me happy? What's the thread through everything that I've done, the jobs that I've had, the spaces I've shown up in where I've derived a whole lot of pleasure or joy, um, the things that I would otherwise do if I weren't being compensated. And not only leaning into that, also drawing boundaries around myself to say, this is what I value, this is what is really important to me, and I am not willing to negotiate any of it. Mm. And so this is where I, this is a whole lot of my like male privilege, my six foot five privilege, my all of the things that work to my advantage privilege. But I, I at this point in my life, am not willing to negotiate my happiness or my joy. Um, and so being still, finding support, guardian angels and therapy and drawing lines in the sand what I am clear, I walk away from a deal. I, I, I no longer do projects with people that I don't like or really enjoy sharing space with or accept invitations to do things that don't feed me and being really clear about that and not worried about the cost or consequence has been really helpful. How did you get to that point? Because you're a three, five, you're a manifesting generator. And we already know that manifesting generators, y'all like to be everywhere and anywhere. And so for people listening, especially at manifesting generators, because it's a constant struggle for you all mm -hmm. to kind of slow down. And you know me, my umbrella, you know, get it under the umbrella now. <laughs> get it under the umbrella. And TMI, this is a little inside joke. Y'all ain't ever getting a Rihanna album because she's in love now. So just... <laughs> So I, I, I've said this to you before and I'll say it again. That was so significant to me. I don't use Clubhouse in the way that I did. I miss it. I'm happy that it's a space where people are thriving. Um, and I, I, I miss I miss the spaces we used to share. But AC, when I asked you <laughs> to help me make sense of what it meant to be a manifested generator, and I talked about, we talked about our queen Rihanna, and you were just like, my part in it, we not getting it. Like, let it go. The, the album is not coming. That's not. I, I sat with that. I wrote it down. I took a picture <laughs> of it. I sent it to the group chat, and I, I I ruminated on it. And what I had to think to myself was, and 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 I think either you or Franny offered this up. It was you, on a platform that Franny created. Even thinking about like how manifested generators show up in the world, right? We build complexes. Mm -hmm. You show up in some space to create some shit. I had to say to myself that like. What I know, and this is the um, untethered soul, right? Like I live knowing that we exist within a guillotine and the thread of the guillotine is held by a very thin spider's web. Mm -hmm. And not only is it impractical, it's exhausting to remain booked and busy. So there's one, the like, I, I got respite in being able to sit and be still and be quiet. And, and it wasn't easy to be clear, right? Like I got physically sick the first time I had to be still. Mm. My body was like, what are we doing? Like, right, we, we shock. Move, like, move, hold move, on, we need to be doing move. something. Literal shock. I, I literally went through everything the first time this happened. Like, call doctors. Do I need to take some medicine? Like, my body just was not equipped for being still. Mm. And then I then thought about the weight of 
white supremacy, the way that these systems are set up, right? Like capitalism is set up such that if I'm on the wheel, I can always keep running until the moment where I fall and I'm not able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if this is the like, you know, midlife crisis for black men as I get closer <laughs> to 40. But I, I think it is a, a recognition of the work that has been done by so many people before me so that I could sit in the space so that I could have access to therapy. My therapist would often say to me that like, give yourself grace. You're asking questions and thinking through things that most people don't get to do until they're octogenarians. And, and, and you are, are doing this at a, you know, I always think that I'm too late to something just because of the way that people talk to us about chronology and time, but giving myself grace to appreciate that I've worked really hard. I've done the things that I have been expected of me and I owe it not only to myself, but to our ancestors who sacrificed so that we could be here and have this conversation and I could sit here and take up space in the way that I do with my nails painted and all of the ways that I show up in the world. Like I, I owe it to myself to do the things that make me happy mm-hmm. without regard for everything else. I love um, that. And then there's the reality that I also spend a lot of time thinking about loss, right? Like a part of my work at NBJC. Um, leading into the existence of Black, queer, trans, non-binary, LGBTQIA plus SGL folks um, is remembering that tomorrow's not promised, right? Um, There was a period two months ago where there was not a day that I did not author a release about the stolen lives of Black folks, Black trans folks, Black queer folks. And knowing that tomorrow's not promised, I think also contributes to the pursuit of joy. And with that being said of tomorrow's not promised, how can someone listening to this reevaluate their joy kind of meter and say, how do I guard my joy? What, what do I need to do to change it? I, I want to offer up three things. And before any of that, hope that people hear my heart when I say be gentle with yourself and give yourself grace because often these things are easier in theory than they are in application. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that reason, it's incredibly important to do. Um, and so I believe in writing things down and making them plain and writing down like what makes me happy? Like, where am I when I experience joy? What are the, what does it smell like? What does it sound like? Like, I know that when I'm around children and they're laughing, I'm experiencing joy. I know that when I'm around a body of water, I'm experiencing joy. It's why I moved out of the middle of Harlem to a place where I'm literally right next to a body of water, right? And so being clear about you and how you move through the world and that which gives you joy or otherwise allows you to frolic, I think is incredibly important. Um, I think the second thing is then doing the work around the fear that comes with operating from uh, deficit spaces and not abundant spaces where you think that, when you can trick yourself into thinking that if you don't go to an event or you don't show up at a party or you don't take a deal that is not the kind of deal that you want to be engaging in at this point, that you're going to miss out. I think doing the work to find comfort with yourself to say, like, I need to draw those lines and I need to be clear about what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. And if, if, if the terms don't work out in this way, then it's not for me. And literally finding peace in that, I think, is also incredibly important. I was just with a mentee, and so much of what I am wishing for her is that she just believes in herself. Mm. Like, I, I want you to see for you the things that, like, you talk you about wanting her, to right? do that I feel right? And, and I want you to see it for yourself such that you are not willing to compromise on the things that are most important. I think that's the second part of it. And then the third is taking the risks. 
Right? Like so much of my life and my career has been has been defined by these moments that I think to the world feel like risks. And to me, they just felt like necessary, right? Like I, I quit my job in 2011 to go work on President Obama's reelection campaign. I was on Capitol Hill in the, in the Senate, one of the only black man on, a, on the committee, right? a job that people would stab you in your chest for. Quit the job, took a pay cut to move to Vegas to work on a campaign. I knew I needed to do that because Things shifted in D.C. I couldn't negotiate with Republican colleagues in the way in which I could before. I literally couldn't do my job. And so it was either I stay in this job and risk getting escorted out by Capitol Police, or I take this risk and do something that feels right in this moment. And to the world, I literally had mentors sit me down and say, like, are, are things okay? Are you all right? <laughs> you good? We didn't have an answer. And in the same way that when I graduated from Columbia University in 2004, my boys invited me to a restaurant. And started to talk about the Lord of the Flies before I realized, oh, this is a fucking intervention. <laughs> they couldn't understand why I was deciding to go teach elementary school after I'd graduated at the top of our class, right? Like, so I say all that to say that the, the, the third thing is that I hope you find comfort in taking what the world will tell you is a risk, but is the, the thing that you know when you are quiet enough to hear it is what the universe is telling you that you need to do. I love that. So I have three more questions that I always ask everyone. So the first one is, what would you tell yourself last year if you could go back and just whisper to yourself? Ha. Huh. So on my left forearm, um, and I did this last year, the week before my birthday, I wrote Rumble Young Man. Mm. Um, and it has Ali uh, at the bottom of it, not only because um, he is who popularized the term, but Ali, of course, means most high. Um, and so what I what I will tell myself until uh, I'm no longer here is to rumble and to and to have no regard for how the world will deal as a result of it. I love that. OK, second to last. What would you tell yourself next year if you can go and give yourself a little word, your future self? Ooh, well, what what do I want to tell myself next year? Probably to be gentle with yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, like, not, not lean into the anxieties that are uh, associated with 40 and this new bracket and this new space and the expectations that people have about me being an actual grown-ass man. Um, and so I would, I, I, I would tell myself in a year from now, be gentle with yourself. Yeah, definitely. As someone who just crossed that threshold in March, be very gentle. Okay. Especially as a Pisces from one Pisces to another. <laughs> Don't, you know, have a nervous breakdown. Just, you know, relax. Right. <laughs> it, gets it. Yeah, <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> and my last question, what do you believe is your superpower? Hmm. The, the, the visceral response, the first thing that came to mind is, is, is that I'm I'm passionate. I care deeply about the things and the people that I care about. And in particular, I do so much of the work that I do because I love Black people and I want all of us to be free. And I also acknowledge that people call me passionate when they're trying to be nice because I'm clear about the shit that I care about. So that's like the visceral response. And I'm also like, is there something else that is, is uh, underneath that? What is my superpower? Well, we'll say what you would say to your younger self. I w oh, I appreciate the reframing. Thank you. This is, mm -hmm. so I would tell my younger self, David, your superpower is your capacity to love. 
Mm. And in particular, to love yourself. We live in a world where I think often I have a mentor, a spirit guide, Asa Hilliard, who's a sociologist, who said, I've never met a child, in particular, a Black child who is not a genius. And there's no secret to how we support them. We first acknowledge them as human, and we second support them with love. And what I know and what orients so much of my work, the thread that connects all of it, whether it's teaching elementary school in Harlem or uh, leading the White House Initiative on Educational Excellence for African Americans in the Obama administration or leading the work that I lead now at the National Black Justice Coalition, the thread through all of it is understanding and appreciating our humanity and knowing that the solution to so many of our problems is love. And so I would say that, you know, Lil David's superpower is his capacity to love uh, with a capital L, including himself. In a world that sends so many messages to suggest that we as people are not deserving or worthy of love. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode with David Johns. If you want to find out where David Johns is online, you can follow him on Twitter or on Instagram at Mr. David Johns. Or you can also follow the National Black Justice Coalition at NBJC on the move on Instagram. Until next time, make sure you all have an amazing day filled with good vibes and great energy. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Is My Aura on Street. This podcast was produced by Callie Green and edited by Adam Ross. If you loved this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.